0: I'd like to welcome each one of you. Welcome here. And uh, we're gathered here for one thing, and that is to praise the Lord. Uh, First of all, to worship him, to hear his word, and also for fellowship and to encourage each other. So uh, let's keep that in mind this morning. I'd like to open up by reading uh, Romans chapter 5, the first few verses. It says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. Isn't that amazing that even through tribulations... And all these things, that there's a purpose in it, that um, that works patience, patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. Let's all stand up for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. Lord, thank you once again for your faithfulness, your unchanging love. Amen. Lord, thank you for your word and the Holy Spirit that you've given to us, Lord. God, I just pray that you would uh, be with us this morning, God, that your presence would settle down, and Lord, that you would um, continue to change us. God, as we hear from your word, as we sing these songs, I pray that we would be drawn to you, Lord. I pray that you would be glorified, that Jesus would be lifted high, and that no man would receive the glory, but you alone, Lord, are worthy, and we praise you this morning. Thank you for each one that's here, Lord. We just praise you for uh, what you're doing, and thank you for those who are Watching online, Lord, bless them, bless their families, be with them. Pray that you would that they would be encouraged and strengthened, Lord. Um, thank you, Father, for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. This is the season
1: for a new anointing, this is the season for fresh outpouring, that the sons and daughters of the King of glory may arise and shine, that the sons and daughters of the King of glory may arise and shine as we declare, this is the day, this is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice, I will rejoice, I will rejoice and be glad in Thee. This is the day, this is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. Every son and daughter of the King of Glory now rise and shine. Every son and daughter of the King of Glory now rise and shine. As we declare, this is the day, this is the day, this is the day that the Lord is made. I will rejoice, I will rejoice, I will rejoice and be glad in Him. This is the day, this is the day, this is the day that the Lord has
0: praise report or anything to share this morning just I'd like to open it up
2: Now, I'm always amazed at how much God cares about each one of us and each one, not just those that are his children or have given their life to him, but he cares about those that are wandering away, too. He cares about those that do not know him. And um, uh, Monday night, we were having our family devotional, we ended up, we were studying uh, somewhere in Corinthians. I'm terrible at remembering scripture references, but we were studying, and it, the point of the whole devotional was, was we should be quick to give comfort, not judgment. And the Lord was merciful because he decided to right away test that on t- uh, Tuesday morning. And as I was driving out of the logging job, I met another truck coming in. We have like 30 miles of gravel road, and I met another truck coming in, and I just, being quick-witted, I just said, hey, you got to learn how to get up earlier in the morning, what's going on, you know, and and Aaron told me, he said, well, he said, I was in the hospital till two o'clock this morning, and struggling with my heart, and he said, I've had one heart attack, and I don't know what's going on, and he said, but I'm, I'm trying, I'm, I'm going, and I was, I told him this exact thing, I said, man, just last night, I had a devotional, that said, I should be quick to comfort, and not judgment, and I said, I did the exact opposite to you, I said, I'm sorry about that, but I said, don't don't take it too hard, take it easy today, you know? And we talked for a little bit till we lost radio reception and then about 10 minutes behind him, I met Evan, one of the other trucks going up. I went into Laramie unloaded and was coming back out and I met an ambulance coming into town. And the reason I remember the ambulance is because I was very annoyed at the car in front of me that had to come to a complete stop in a wide open road with an ambulance coming at me. And I didn't understand why that car had to do that, but anyway. Um, got out, and then I, we were winding up the logging road, and I seen him way up in front of me. You can see way up on the logging road. I could see a red truck, and I said, Evan, is that you? He goes, yeah. He said, I said, man, I passed you two hours ago heading up there. What's wrong? He said, well, I found Aaron sprawled out in the middle of the logging road. And he had a heart, uh, seizure, a heart attack. I don't know exactly what happened, but there he was. He, he got his log truck turned around. He wasn't feeling good. The guy's log truck turned around and started coming back down the mountain. And and then he really felt himself getting bad. And so he decided he better get out so people would know that he wasn't just collapsed in his truck. And he got out and he collapsed right in the middle of the road. And Evan almost ran over him on his way up in there. But just that one little point, I was so glad for one thing in my own heart that I um, told him one thing about scripture, maybe just planted one seed of God. It's a quick radio conversation. I couldn't share the gospel with him at that time. I don't feel any guilt that I didn't be able to, you know, expound upon the whole gospel of Christ to him over the radio in three seconds. But yet at the same time, just to put God in the middle of it. And I was so blessed. And I was like, man, our God cares about us that much that he'll sit there and just give us that one opportunity to plant that little seed. And I just always want to be sensitive to that. And, um,. Yeah, I look forward to seeing Aaron again. I heard he's doing all right, but um, it's probably going to be a couple days till he's back up there again, but um, see what God is doing. So, Yes. Heavenly Father, I do. I just lift up Aaron to you, Lord. You know the situation of his heart and his soul, Lord, and I just pray that, Lord, in this time of uh, unwellness, of his heart giving him trouble, Lord, I just pray that he would seek you Lord, it would be a time of looking into his own life and seeing that he is in need of a savior. And Lord, I just pray that uh, his relationship with his wife and his family, Lord, would be strengthened. And Lord, that you would give them grace to uh, go through these trials. Lord, also, I just pray that you would uh, allow me to continue to be a testimony and a witness to him and to the other guys up there, Lord, as we work day by day together. And I just pray, Lord, that you would be shown forth, Lord, through my life, through the situations of life, and Lord, that we could just show how much you love us and care about us, how much you desire for us to be your children, Lord, to each one. I just ask this in your name.
3: Yes. You think of John, and Susie Latt?
0: strength
1: within the sorrow You're teaching us to trust. Your plans are still to prosper. Till the prosperity.
0: song this morning, and I think we all know very well, and uh, it's victory in Jesus. Our victory is in Jesus and only in Jesus. Amen. Let's sing together. I heard an old old story, how a Savior came from
1: Just flat-a-tona.
0: Children, come forward. Okay, this is the Phil,
2: can you get that door unlocked in my? Can you get that door back there unlocked in my globe? Well, there's no boys. Caden, you gonna come up and even it out? Oh, is he disappearing? I thought he bent down to get his guitar. Well, cool. what'd you girls do to him? Did you scare him up here? No? Hmm. Wow. Huh? <laughs> oh, here we got Benny. Well, we got we got a we got we got a fair shake at it now. We got three and three. All
4: right.
2: Huh? So there was. Five plus five. We're not doing math class up here. We're doing Sunday school. All right. Do so you guys know my God is so big? You don't know that one. My God is so big, so big, so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. You know that one, right? Okay, watch Mom or watch Soretta for the motions if you need them. What key? D? Okay. My God is so big, so strong
4: and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. My God is so big. So strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. The mountains are his, the rivers are his, the stars are his handiwork too. My
2: God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. So you guys got it now? At the end, you're supposed to go for you, and you all point at Nathan Johnson. <laughs> huh? Lukey's not coming up? He thinks he's too big. He thinks he's too big now. All right. Uh, there was another one. I want. You know, we got to get out of some of the rut of these old songs we sing. Building up the temples are good. Okay. Um, hang on a second, because I had another one here. I am a C H? I we didn't sing that one for a while. Um Boy. I gotta get back to where I was here. This little light of mine, that's the one I had in my mind. You guys know that one, right? This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Okay? What key? G? A C. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Hide it under a bushel, no, I'm gonna let it shine. Hide it under a bushel, no, I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Won't let Satan blow it out. I'm gonna let it shine. Won't let Satan blow it out. I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it
1: shine.
2: Let it shine till Jesus comes. I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine till
4: Jesus comes. I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine.
2: I am a C. I am a CH. I am a CHRISTIAN. And I have CHRIST
4: in my HART, and I will LIVEE I am a C. I am a CH. I am a
2: CHRISTIAN. And I have C-H-R-I-S-T in my H-E-E-R-T And I will L-I-V-E-E-T-E-R-N-A-L-O-Y How fast can you spell? How fast can you spell, Lexi? Sometimes you have to be a fast Christian. Huh. I am a C. I am a C H. I am a C H R I S T I A N. and I have C-H-R-A-S-T in
4: my H-A-R-T, and I will L-I-V-E-E-T-E-R-N-A-L-O-Y.
2: <laughs> Good job. All right. Uh, building up the temple, right? Is that the one you said? Can I make a request that somebody get this guy a longer guitar chord so I don't have to look behind me every time I want to find out a key? He could stand there at least been doing this for a year and he still don't have a guitar chord that lets him over here. All right. G Building up the temple, building up the
4: temple, building up the temple of the Lord. Say brother, won't you help me? Sister, won't you help me? Building up the temple of the Lord. Building up the temple Building up the temple, building up the temple of the Lord. Say, brother, won't you help me? Sister, won't
2: you help me? Building up the temple of the Lord. Okay, got another one? God's not dead? All right. Oh, then, the joy, joy, joy. Okay. Oh, you, you guys love that song. Did, that, did you cast your burden somehow at the beach? Is that why your mommy's still sleeping this morning? Oh. Oh, okay. I didn't know.
5: I I want I wanted to give comfort, but I didn't know what I could do with that yet. I had to ask some questions first. Wow, I love when my
2: own things get just right back in my own face.
4: All right. God's not dead. no. He is alive. God's not dead, no. He is alive, God's not dead, no. He is alive, I feel him in my hands, feel him in my feet, feel him in my heart, thump thump, feel him in my soul, woo! Feel him all over me. God's not dead, no. He is alive, God's not dead, no. He is alive, God's not dead, no. He is alive, I feel him in my hands, feel him in my feet, feel him in my heart, feel him in my soul, feel him all over me. I've
2: got the joy, joy, joy. Mm. Which way do you want to do this? You want them to sing first? You guys want to do that? I got the wonderful pizza. You want to do that part? Uh, I, um, no, you guys are going to sing first. They got to say where first because I don't think, I think you guys can outdo them, even with six of you. I've heard you playing on that slide out there. Mm-hmm. You got to. Well, but you got a voice that will carry a long ways. So, all right. Let's let's ask them the question. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart.
4: Down in my heart. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart to stay. And I'm so happy, so very happy. I've got the love of Jesus in my heart, and I'm so happy, so very happy. I've got the love of Jesus in my heart. (laughs) Not yet. (laughs) Okay, I've got the. Where?
2: Where? Down in the. Where?
4: that's my heart to stay and i'm so happy so very happy i've got the love of jesus in my heart and i'm so happy so very happy i've
2: got the love of jesus in my heart not bad okay cast your burdens <laughs> you yeah.
6: Cast your burden on to Jesus for, he cares for you. Cast your burden on to Jesus for,
4: he cares for you. Higher, higher, lift up Jesus, higher, higher. Higher higher lift up Jesus higher 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 lift up Jesus higher 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 lift up Jesus higher higher Lower 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 Satan lower 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 Satan lower 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 Satan, lower, lower. Lower, lower, lower Satan lower 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 Satan lower lower onto Jesus for He cares for you cast your burdens onto Jesus for He cares for you higher higher lift up Jesus higher Higher, Higher, Higher Lift up Jesus higher, Higher Higher, Higher Lift up Jesus higher, Higher 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 lift up Jesus higher higher lower 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 Satan lower 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 Satan lower 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 Satan lower 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 lower, lower lower Satan lower lower higher higher lift up Jesus higher 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 lift up Jesus higher higher higher, higher, lift up, Jesus, higher, 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 lift up, Jesus,
2: higher, higher. All right. Okay. Hold on. Okay. Globe. So, how many of you can find where we were talking about last week? A it's a globe, but where were we talking about? China. <laughs> China? No, not China. Did you find it? Hmm. South, Africa? South Africa? There we go. So, here it says South Africa. Nope. (laughs) So we're way down here. I think we were talking about this river right here, way down here. Okay. All right. Well, let's set this back up. Now you guys understand again. Madagascar.
6: Madagascar? I watched the movie on Madagascar. You did?
2: Was it talking about missionaries? No. Was it talking about all the environmentalists that live at Madagascar? No. Okay. Was it talking about a funny little thing that ran around? Mm. Okay. So remember who we're talking about? Mm-hmm. Who are we? Who are we studying about? Livingston. Livingston. Yep. David Livingston. I got to find my spot in this book. I need to remark my. Okay. Okay, so remember we were talking about this river right here, right? Mm -hmm. So this, you can kind of see this little blue line way down here. See this little blue line right there? Mm -hmm. That's a river. I believe, I don't know for sure, but I think that's the river that we're going to be talking about today, okay? All right, listen closely. David Livingstone's goal for his third expedition was to find out where the Great Nile River started. Africans said it ran out of the Big Lake in Central Africa. So again, Livingstone headed into territory unknown to white people. Shh, you can gonna listen? Okay, here. before we spin that thing on us, see if I can stop it at the right spot. Stop that right spot. Nope, it's gonna, okay. But years passed and no one heard from David Livingstone. Finally, people began to say he was dead. Henry Mortar Stanley, an experienced newspaper reporter and traveler also thought that Livingstone was probably dead. But his boss at the New York Herald did not agree. I don't care how much it costs. He said, I want you to find David Livingstone or prove that he is dead. Either way, it will make the greatest story of our day and it will sell lots of papers. Now go find him. Boy, wouldn't that be great to hear about the New York Herald again wanting to hear about a missionary, whether they lived or died. Wouldn't that be amazing? And it would be the greatest story of the day. David Livingstone traveled with a small number of friends and assistants But Henry Stanley entered Africa with a group of 2,000 men. That's a pretty good-sized group. Livingstone always asked permission to pass peacefully through African kingdoms, but Stanley fought like an invading army and not without loss. Warfare, disease, and mutiny soon shrank his group to 54 men. Still, Stanley pushed on for seven months until in November of 1871, he met two black men who greeted him in English. Who are you, Stanley asked. I am Chuma, sir the servant of David Livingstone, Dr. Livingstone. And I am Susie, said the other African. How is the doctor, asked Stanley? Not very well, sir. Then you better lead me to him. Henry Stanley entered the town of Uji on Lake, I am bad at words, Lake Tanganyanga. I don't know, and found David Livingstone resting in a mud hut. Stanley greeted him with, with now famous words, Dr. Livingstone, I presume. Livingstone was sick from not having proper food and medicine. After helping him to get well, Stanley and, Stanley and Livingstone explored the northern end of Lake Tanganyika, I don't know. But they did not find a river running out that might be the Nile. So Henry Stanley tried to convince the doctor to return to England. No, said Livingstone, I still have work to do here. He never did find the source of the Nile. John Hanning Spear, Speak, later discovered that it flowed out of Lake Victoria, many miles to the northeast. Once again, Stanley tried to convince the old doctor to give up and return home. Africa is where my heart is, said David Livingstone. I love the people, but I will send these letters back to England with you. So Henry Stanley went back to America and became famous for his stories of finding David Livingstone. Livingstone explored Africa for two more years with Chuma, who had been rescued from the Red Caps 20 years earlier and Susie. Then David Livingstone died. His faithful friends buried his heart beneath a tree because his heart was in Africa. Then they wrapped his body with spices and cloth to preserve it, and Truma took it all the way to England for burial. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, Hebrews 12.1. Yeah, they, they took his heart out. Did you hear the end of the story? So he said he wouldn't go back. So he was somewhere here in Africa. He was somewhere way into Africa here. And um, they found him in there, but he didn't want to leave because he was still teaching people about Jesus. He was still exploring and teaching people about Jesus. So they, um, when he died there, they took his heart out because he said his heart was in Africa that's where his heart was he didn't want to leave so they took his heart and they buried it under a tree and then they sent his body back home so his heart is buried here in Africa and his body is buried up here in England so I was that we talked about this morning when God places pieces all the pieces of us back together and that day when we shall rise to meet him in the air there's going to be a heart sailing out of Africa. I don't know how this all actually worked, but anyway. Um, so that's where he died, teaching people about Jesus, way down here. And then they sent him by ship all the way. They didn't have airplanes back there, so they put a ship all the way back up. he was still teaching people about Jesus down there. He was born up here in England. What? That's where he was born, but then he was way down here, just like as if you were born here. So you're born here, right? So who knows where God will call you? God might call you way somewhere in Antarctica. That's way down here. And penguins, yes, <laughs> and penguins. penguins, yes, and penguins. Exactly. That's what you have to go tell people. All right, you guys can go back.
7: Good morning. Thank you, worship team, for leading us in praise and worship this morning, and Carrie with the kids i tell you if you want a fascinating read uh, read uh, uh, now my mind went blank henry m stanley read his books on on david livingston that uh, that'll captivate you um, interesting thing that uh, with in david livingston's death that at the time of you know by the time he died he could he could barely even walk. He was he was very frail, but he was still uh, wanted to go through Africa and 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 preach the gospel. And his uh, assistants were actually carrying him from village to village on a stretcher. And finally, um, I think they were partway through a journey that that he was on. And, and he told his assistants, "I'm just I'm tired. I have to go home." And took him back to his village, and we're about to put him into his bed, and he said, no, I have to pray first, help me to my knees. And uh, they helped him to his knees and, and went out to, to give him privacy, and everything was quiet for a long time, and they just they didn't want to disturb him, and I think it went on for hours till they finally went in and uh, found him uh, still on his knees, but he had passed away on his knees in prayer. So uh, an interesting story of uh, some more details of David Livingston. Yeah, he's, I've always uh, found his stories to be uh, pretty inspiring, so some of the things he got into there in Africa were pretty amazing. Once again, welcome to each one of you here, glad to have you all here, visitors and our regular attenders alike. Christopher Renanova, it's great to see you here. I haven't seen you guys for a little while, and apparently not, because I, is your son taller than you now? It's getting close. <laughs> No, it's, it's good to see you and see you guys doing well, so welcome. Please uh, join us in our time of worship and teaching today. And the rest of your visitors as well, those online, let's give them all a hand for joining us today. If you have our programs, you will see a few announcements in there. Uh, in two weeks, it's showing that we have our monthly game night, August the 6th. Now, we do have a scheduling conflict with that uh, as far as having that here at the church, but we'll probably figure something out on that. I think we still want to have that, but uh, there, are, there are other things happening at the church here that Friday evening, so we may schedule that for at a park or something like that, so be uh, uh, in tune with that, watch your Viber channel, and, and uh, we'll try to put details on there, and as always, you're welcome to invite anybody in the community to join us for our monthly game night. We do have our youth retreat coming up in three weeks. It's coming right up, Wednesday night through a Sunday, and we'll have a number of different speakers here for uh, youth ages 15 and up. So feel free to spread the word. Uh, if you know of anyone that would like to join us on that, be a great time of teaching and activity and inspiration. And then that weekend, for the the Saturday evening and Sunday morning, we will be having services here that will be open to the public. And Brother Roy Daniel from South Africa is going to be here teaching. Um, many of you have probably heard of uh, Keith Daniels; this is uh, he passed away recently? And this would be his son, that is uh, an evangelist as well and, and preaching the gospel around the world. So he's going to be here with us for those days and be sharing the word with us on a Saturday evening and a Sunday morning in services that are open to the public. <clears throat> I think that's it for most of the announcements. Um, we have Brother Nathan Johnson here with us again. And uh, it's a privilege to have you here again. He's from Windsor, just down the street essentially. And, uh, he's here to speak the word to us this morning, so uh, Nathan, come on up and I'll pray for you and we'll turn the time over to you to share the word. Father, I thank you for my brother Nathan, I thank you for his willingness to preach your word and I pray that you would anoint his lips this morning, give him your words and your thoughts that you want us to hear. You would just anoint his lips, give him clarity of thought and mind. Father, that in the teaching this morning, we would be pointed to you and inspired to continue to grow in our lives of service to you. We thank you for what you will do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
5: I'll just hold it. This is good. Thanks for letting me come down on your level. Uh, I I really like your uh, pulpit, but it's one degree intimidating. So I think it's because you can see through it. (laughs) Uh, it It's great to be with you this morning, and uh, it's just good to see y'all again. And uh, just excited for what God's doing in these days. I don't know about you, but uh, isn't it interesting that the more uh, crazy the, the world gets, and the more dark it becomes, and the more crazy the politics become, and economics, uh, the more we get to trust in Jesus. And it's actually such a blissful delight that uh, historically, as things get harder for Christians, they get stronger. And uh, so we live in good days. Uh, this is like, I don't know, This we should, we should be so thrilled to live in the days in which we live. And uh, why would you want to live in the easy times? We should, you know, of all the times in human history, that you could live, we should ask God for one of the hardest. Why? Because that's what we're built for. And uh, so you are privileged. <sighs> all right, well, let's just get into the Word. Uh, Philippians chapter 3, if you have your Bibles. Uh, I was just kind of praying and just pondering uh, what to just bring this morning and, and just really just kind of seeking the Lord. And uh, I just kept coming back to this passage. And it, it's interesting, if you, if you hang around me at all, um, I'm probably going to mention this concept at some point. Uh, if you were to look at my life, when God radically began to get a hold of my life about 15 years ago, uh, the, one of the most transforming things in my personal life when God began to turn my world upside down uh, is the concept I want to give you this morning. And I probably, I, it's probably fair to say there is not a week that has gone by in about 15 years where I haven't thought of this concept at least once. I mean, this this thing has become... The heart, uh, the focus, if you will, uh, of just my life. And I just kind of want to bring you in on that and share that with you. Uh, Philippians is a fascinating book. Paul is writing the book of Philippians. Uh, Scholars presume from a prison cell in Rome. And, of course, one of the major themes for the entire book is joy. Uh, One of the other major themes is just the mindset of a believer. And it's interesting, right in the middle of Philippians chapter 3, Paul gives this incredible declaration and if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to follow along. <clears throat> I want to start in verse four, uh, Philippians three, and just read down through verse ten. Uh, this is what Paul says <clears throat> uh, halfway through verse four. He says, "If any other man thinks that he has reason or confidence to trust in the flesh, I have more." In other words, what Paul is saying is, "Hey, if you think you're something, if you think you've got a great background, if you think you've got the right education," hey, if you got something to brag about? Ah, let me tell you about myself. And he begins to outline his own resume, if you will. Look at verse five. He says, I was circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. Concerning the law, I was a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, I persecuted the church. Concerning the righteousness which is in the law, I was blameless. Verse seven, but what things were gained to me I have counted these things loss for the sake of Christ. Yes, indeed, I count everything as loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have forfeited the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness which is of God on the basis of faith. Look at verse 10. Paul says that my desire, my passion, is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if somehow I might make it to the resurrection of the dead. Uh, It's an interesting passage to me. Uh, Paul has kind of given you an outline of his own personal resume. Uh, He says, hey, if you got something to brag about, if you have something that you put confidence in, in the flesh, he goes, I actually have more. And he begins to list in verse 5, it's like his resume. Now, I don't don't know if you were impressed by his list here, uh, but again, listen listen to his list. He says in verse 5, I was circumcised on the eighth day. Good job, Paul. Uh, I was of the stock of Israel. Woo! I was of the tribe of Benjamin. Well done. I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. Concerning the law, I was a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, I persecuted the church. Concerning the righteousness, which is in the law, blameless. Isn't it interesting? You start looking at Paul's list, and in our culture today, we are not that impressed. Like I don't know if any of you walk around bragging, hey, I was circumcised on the eighth day. I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. I, I mean, we don't. this is not our language. And yet in his culture, in his day, coming from this Jewish perspective, you realize that what Paul is really getting at is that he's basically saying, I'm the best of the best of the best of the best of the best. Hey, I had the right, ed- right education. I had the right upbringing. I had the right parents. I had the right you know, tutors. I had the right, I just, I had the list. I got the trophies. I got the letterman's jacket. I mean, I just, I got all these things that I could brag about. But when he looks at the things that he could have confidence in, the things that he could actually put his weight upon? Look at what he says in verse 7. He says, these things that were a gain to me, these things that I would have seen as a something of confidence, I have counted these things loss for the sake of Christ. Uh, think about your own life. What is it that you put confidence in? What, what is it that when hard times come, you lean your weight upon? Well, I've got the right education. Oh, I got the right upbringing. Oh, I the right parents. Hey, I've got a bank account. Hey, I've got a reliable job. I've got a, I got a good family. I mean, what what is what is in your list that you put confidence in? What is on your list in your life that you would brag about? What what is on your list that you'd say, it might be a hard time, but at least I have this to fall back upon? Wouldn't it be interesting if you, like Paul, would come to the realization of these things that that I would have seen as a gain in my life, these things that I would typically brag about, these things that I would lean upon in hardship, in view of Jesus, I'm actually willing to look at everything that I counted as gain and actually count it as a loss. That they actually have no value in light of Jesus. Is that true in your life? See, for a lot of us, we we presume that as Christians, especially in 21st century America, that it's like, well, I can have Jesus plus my list. And Paul says, you realize that the reality of Christianity is Jesus. It's not my list. It's Jesus. And so it's not that the things you put confidence in is evil. It's not that your your education's bad or your upbringing or your parents or, your, or whatever may be on your list. It's not that those are bad or evil. He says, I'm just not going to rely upon them. In fact, I'm willing to set those aside i'm going to count them as loss in view of having jesus is that true in you hey when things go hard do you lean upon jesus when things go well do you lean upon jesus if you're going to brag about something in your life is it jesus hey if you're sitting around the water cooler at at work or in this case you're sitting on zoom at work or whatever it is in your world and you're gonna hey let me tell you about my weekend Is what you brag about in your life, Jesus? Now, I don't know about you. That's slightly convicting. But listen to what Paul says as he gets into verse eight. He he ramps this thing up. He says in verse eight, "Yes, indeed." I mean, this is emphatic. This is like this is emphasis stuff. He says, "Yes, indeed, I." not only just count my list to be a loss, not only do I count my best of the best stuff, he says, I'm willing to even count everything loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. In fact, he says, I'm willing at the very end of I have forfeited the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. I don't know what you think of when you hear the word rubbish. Uh, I think of like a British term for trash. Then there's to put it in the rubbish bin, right over there in the rubbish bin. Doesn't that sound like? It just sounds like some British term for trash. That's not this word. Uh, this word, when you when you look it up in the Greek, this word, a literal translation of the word rubbish, is the word dog dung. Yeah, dog doo doo. In fact, in Greek, this is the strongest word you can get without it being a swear word. I mean, this is as close to Paul's swearing as we have in Scripture. And you can, I'll let you fill in any blanks. But it's it's an intense word. So he's not just saying, well, I'm willing to look at it and call it trash. He's saying, do you realize that here's my list of the best of the best stuff and I'm willing to look at that and count it loss in view of knowing Jesus. But even more than that, I'm willing to take everything in my life, and I'm willing to look at everything in my life and count it as dog dung in view of knowing Jesus. Is that true in your life? Have you realized the grandeur and the glory of Jesus to the point that you're willing to look at everything in your life everything that you counted as confidence, everything that you you would brag about, all the stuff that you would go, wow, this is really good in my life. Not even just that stuff, but all the all the bad stuff, all the neutral stuff. Are you willing to look at everything in your life and not only count it loss, but then count it as dog dung? I don't, I don't know about you, but I don't treasure dog dung. I had a dog for a season of my life, and never once did I go outside and I go, oh, look, I'm gonna keep some of this. I'm gonna put it in the baggie, I'm gonna hang it on my refrigerator. <laughs> See, that's not what you do with that stuff. Do you know what you do with it? You toss it. In fact, more often than that, I would go outside to the yard and I'd be like, what on earth? What did you do? And now I've got a whole pile of stuff I gotta clean up and I just gotta. And it was just, I didn't want to keep it. I, I tried to wash and get rid of it as quick as I could. Paul says, I'm actually willing to look at everything in my life that way. That when I look at it in light of Jesus, I begin to realize in the grandeur and the glory, in the light of Jesus, all things just begin to pale in comparison. Hey, in light of Jesus, it's like I'm willing to look at everything in my life and just kind of go, it's actually not worth very much. I mean, in light of Jesus, I'm willing to count all things lost and rubbish for the sake of gaining Christ. Have you come to that realization? Now, it's interesting, again, in this whole passage, he says, here I am, the best of the best stuff, and I'm going to look at all of this. In fact, I'm going to look at everything in my life and count it as rubbish in view of knowing Jesus. Wouldn't it be fascinating to know what Paul means by knowing Jesus? Because if he's the one to dump everything in his life for the sake of knowing Jesus, well, what does it mean to know Jesus. So, if you will permit me, I know this is potentially a problem, but if you will permit me, I want to give you a really simple Greek lesson. Everyone okay? Some of your faces already look concerned. There's no test. There's a quiz, but there's no test. Uh, The reason I want to give you a really simple Greek lesson is because in the Greek... Uh, there are primarily three different Greek words for the word knowledge. And they all paint a different picture. And so if you're going to really understand what Paul is saying in the passage, you're going to have to have an understanding of what Paul is using in terms of his language. You realize that your Bible was not written in English. Everyone okay with that? Uh, That the New Testament was written in Greek. Uh, The Old Testament primarily was written in Hebrew. And it's interesting that both of those languages are very deep, thick languages. Uh, for example, in English, we have one word for the word love. I mean, we have the word like, like. I like that, but it's, it's different than love. And we use the word love for a whole variety of things, don't we? And we say stuff like, I like pizza. I love God. I love my spouse. I love my goldfish. I mean, we use love all the time. But you realize that hopefully we don't love God the same way we love pizza, and hopefully you don't love your spouse on the same level you love your goldfish. Hopefully, one of those better went out, and you better choose wisely, you know, <laughs> or you will be flushed, you know. So, so you you got to realize that English English is a very thin language where Hebrew and Greek is a very deep language. Greek, they had four different Greek words for the word love. And so depending on how you wanted to talk about love, you could use a different Greek word. In fact, the, the Greek language is so deep that do you know what they would do just for fun? They would go down to the street corners and debate philosophy. Isn't that miserable? But they could do it because they had a language that allowed them to do it. And so when you look at the Greek language, it's a very deep language. And what's really neat about Greek and Hebrew is that it paints pictures. Every word paints a picture. And so again, if you'll just permit me for a couple of minutes, I want to walk you through the three different words for the word knowledge or knowing something. Because when you know the words for know, it's amazing. This passage just begins to open up. All right, everyone ready? Okay. Uh, one word for the word knowledge in Greek is the word "nostos," and, and since we're learning this morning, we, we should participate. So say "nostos." "Nostos" is this idea of knowing something, but knowing it as like facts, data, or information. It's like two plus two is four, right? It's uh, I open up a science book and I and I read about the weather and I know about the weather. How do I know the weather? Well, I read it in a book. It's a piece of newspaper kind of a thing. Uh, I'm making this up, but presume this morning, I open up the newspaper and the headline says that the president had tea with the queen. And you would say, Nathan, how did you know that our president had tea with the English queen? I says, well, uh, I, I read about it. Have you ever met the president? No. Have you ever met the queen? I've tried. She keeps turning me down. I've never met her. So so how then do you know that the president had tea with the queen? Well, I I read it in a newspaper one day. It's just factual. It's just data. It's just information kind of stuff. Uh, If you want to see an example of this in Scripture, uh, in the book of Acts, chapter 1, Jesus has just ascended into heaven, and uh, the disciples have gathered up in the, uh, the upper room, and they're gathering together, and they're trying to figure out who is going to replace Judas? Uh, we know that Judas went out and hung himself, and now there's this vacancy in the apostleship. Someone needs to replace Judas. And so Peter stands up, and as a spokesperson, he says, hey, we, we need to figure this thing out. And uh, in Acts chapter 1, verse 15, <clears throat> uh, he says, the, it says, in those days, Peter stood up among the disciples, the number being about 120, and he said, verse 16, brothers... This scripture had to be fulfilled which the Holy Spirit previously spoke by the mouth of David concerning Judas who became a guide to those who see Jesus for he was numbered with us and took his part in the ministry. Now this man Judas purchased a field with that reward of iniquity and falling headlong he burst asunder in the middle and all his organs spilled out and it became known that's that word known to all the residents in Jerusalem. So he says, hey, do you realize, here's this man named Judas. What did he do? He took his wages that he got for betraying Jesus. He went, and he he went to this field. He killed himself, right? He, He hung himself, and it became known to everyone in Jerusalem. Now, question for you. Did everyone in Jerusalem know Judas? No. In fact, that, that, that should make sense because it's over, it's over the Passover and Pentecost season and Jerusalem swells to about, you know, 250,000 people or so. So here's all these people coming in from the countryside. Not everyone would have known Judas. So how on earth did all of Jerusalem know what Judas did? Well, that's easy. That morning they went outside on the front porch was Jerusalem Times. They opened up the newspaper, said man hung himself, right? There's a little sketch of the picture of, of, of Judas, you know. Dude, that's probably not how it happened, but the reality is, is you know, you know how word of mouth stuff passes and how gossip spreads, and and if someone went out and hung himself, my guess is the rumor started spreading and all of Jerusalem was talking about it, but they didn't know Judas. It was just details. It was just facts. It was just a newspaper headline kind of a thing. That's the word nostos. So say nostos. So nostos is fact, stated information. Uh, another word for uh, knowledge or knowing something, is the word oida. So say oida. Isn't that one fun to say? That one's actually a good word. You should say oida again just because it's fun. Oida is this idea of perception or understanding. So nostos is fact, data, information. Oida is this idea of perceiving or uh, it has. it's associated with this idea of sight. Uh, for example, we say stuff like, oh, I see it. And it's not that we see it, It's that we see it. Do you see it? It's this idea of you grab a hold of a concept and you grab a hold of an idea and and you perceive something. Uh, In John chapter 14, uh, Thomas comes up to Jesus and I, I love the question. In John 14 verse five, Thomas goes to Jesus and says, Jesus, we do not oida what you are doing. And how can we oida the way? And Thomas is basically looking at Jesus saying, Jesus, what on earth are you doing? Like, give me a clue. I have no perception. I can't see it at all. Hey, the light bulb has not turned on. And do you know what Jesus says in response to this? Thomas comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, I have no perception. I've got no clue. I have no idea what you're doing. And then Jesus says, "Ah, oh, Thomas, let me tell you. And he says, John fourteen six, Thomas, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Thomas, you want a clue? Hey, you want, you want perception of what I'm doing? Hey, you want to get an insight of what, what's taking place here? I'm it, is what Jesus says. By the way, on a fun side note, you realize if Jesus is life, then anything outside of Jesus ultimately leads to death. Because he's life itself. If he's truth, then anything outside of Jesus ultimately is false. Because it's not that he has truth, he is truth. If he is the way, oh, he's the path, yes. But isn't he the destination? Yes. So when you're on the path, you're at the destination. So you're already there. So the way to the way is the way. So just get on the way and you're, you're at the destination. Isn't that awesome? Okay, think about that one later. But but you get this idea where Jesus is trying to give Thomas a clue, and he says, Thomas, I am it. If you want a perception, it's me. If you want an idea, it's me. If you want to get wrapped up in something, it's me. So you have the word nostos, again, fact, state, information. You have the word oida, which is perception and understanding. And then there's probably my favorite Greek word, which is the word gnosko. So say gnosko. Nostos was the facts, data, information. Oida is that idea of perception or understanding. Gnosko, get this, oh, this is so good. Gnosko is knowing something, but you know it through experience or relationship. Uh, for example, gnosko is the word that is sometimes used, like in the King James, for marital intimacy. For example, Mary did not know Joseph until after she had given birth. It's that kind of a knowing. Uh, This word is used all over the place, not just in that realm, but this this is this idea of I've experienced something, I've seen something, I've I've, I've encountered something. Uh, For example, uh, some time ago, I was over in Windsor where I live and I was driving down this road and I saw a sign. It was a white sign, black numbers, and it had the number 35 on it. And if you came up to me and you say, Nathan, do you know the speed limit for that street? I would say, yes, I do. I nostosed it. I saw a sign. Uh, One day, I was on that road, and I was driving, and when I looked in my rearview mirror, I saw a party. Yeah, it was awesome. Lights were flashing, music was playing, and I was thinking, wow, this is exciting, There's a party going on behind me. I should pull over so I could participate in this party. And so I pull over, and could you believe this? There was a man in a full party uniform wearing a party hat, and he came over to my window, and he knocked on my window and said, Sir, I would like to invite you to my party. And I said, Sir, I would love to participate in your party. He says, Well, the only way you can participate in my party is you're going to have to show me your license and registration. I said, Absolutely. So I handed the man my license and registration. He went back to the party vehicle, did something on his party pad. He came back, and do you know what he gave me? He gave me a yellow slip of paper, and I got to pay $247 to participate in that party. Woo! It was amazing. Now, if you come up to me and say, Nathan, what is the speed limit for that road? I would say 35 miles an hour. Oh, how do you know that? Did you see a sign? No, I experienced it. <laughs> do you see the difference? So that's this idea of school. that it's not just knowing it because I saw a sign or I read a newspaper headline. It's not just a mental perception and understanding. This is something has changed in my life, and now I know something. I've had a relationship with something and it and it's changed me. Uh, for example, Jesus in John chapter 17 is uh, praying the high priestly prayer. And in John 17, three, the question is, or Jesus is praying, he says, this is eternal life. Have you ever wanted to know what eternal life is? Like, hasn't that just been like a thought of like, what actually is eternal life? Jesus actually tells us what eternal life is in John 17, three. He says, this is eternal life, that they might know you, the one true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sinned. Do you know what eternal life is? Relationship with Jesus. Do you know what eternal life actually is? Is the reality of experiencing Jesus. It's not just knowing about Jesus. It's not having a perception of Jesus. It's actually getting wrapped up in intimacy and relationship with Jesus. That's Christianity, folks. That's the reality of eternal life. Uh, it's interesting, this idea of Gnosko. Uh One of the reasons I love it is the fact that gonosco never wanes or never becomes stale. It actually gets bigger and better and better and better as time goes on. Uh, you probably have them here, but uh, once in a while down, down in our church, we have this good-looking guy standing on this side, and we have his lovely bride standing over on this side. And, of course, he looks at her and says, oh, I love you. And she looks back at him and says, oh, I love you too. And that's important. And, you know, and and, and they we, we do the whole, hey, we pronounce you. And and they turn and they lock arms and they walk down the aisle and they're in the back. And so you go and you're shaking hands. You say, hey, congratulations. And you look at him and you say, hey, do you know her? And he was like, well, yeah, you know, she's 5'9", brunette, likes long walks on the beach. No, 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 no. Not do you know about her, do you actually know her? And do you know what he's going to say? He's like, well, yeah, I, yeah, I know her. I, I know what excites her, and I, I know the dreams of her life, and I, I I know what makes her angry, and I know what just, you know, I just, I I'm, I know her, I'm spending time with her, and I'm experiencing life, and, and I'm getting to know who she is. Now, you ask that same man 50 years later, hey, do you know your wife? Do you know what he's going to say? I have no idea! I'm just kidding, <laughs> just kidding, that's not true. Uh, do you know what he's going to say? He's going to say, I actually know my wife better now than when I married her. And you're like, excuse me, that is, I thought you knew everything about your wife. He goes, no, it's it's 50 years of living together and talking together and sharing life. And it's like, I know her better now than when I married her. That's this idea. Have you ever seen a cute old couple? I love cute old couples. Whew. Love cute old couples. Uh, in fact, anytime I see a cute old couple, I just I have to stop and I stare. I just I I love cute old couples. I remember this one day I, I was I was going at this, I was going to this restaurant and I was leaving and I I I'm about to pull out and I know this is massive car pulls in. I like, must be a cute old couple. And I turn and there's this cute old man and his cute bride. And he gets out of his car and he starts shuffling around, and he goes over and he grabs her door, opens the door. He pulls her out, locks arms, and they walk in. I was like, ah! I was just like, I just, it was adorable. I just, oh, I was just, it was, oh, I loved it. Have you ever seen a cute old couple? There's something interesting with cute old couples. They have spent so much time together that it's like they have their own language. It's like they don't even have to talk anymore. She looks at him, and he looks at her, and a whole conversation has passed. Haven't you, haven't you noticed this? Where she's just like, mm-hmm, and he's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, And he goes off and does something. And you're sitting there, and you're like, what just took place? And they had a whole conversation. Haven't you noticed that cute old couples, they've spent so much time together in relationship and intimacy and experiencing life that not only do they start to have their own language, they start to talk like each other. They start to act like each other. They start to look like each other. <laughs> what is that? That's that's this stuff, folks. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be amazing to have that with Jesus? I mean, wouldn't it be amazing to have such a relationship with Jesus that over time you just, you've just you had such a life with Jesus that you started to act like Jesus and talk like Jesus. In fact, you started to look like Jesus. And it's not that you're Jesus. It's just you, you become so tight in intimacy with him. See, that's this idea. Now, take all of that and come back into Philippians chapter 3. In Philippians chapter 3, again, Paul is talking about his background. And he says, here I am. Hey, I had the right education. I had the right background. I had the right upbringing. I had the right, 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 right. And I have all this stuff going for me. In fact, I have all this confidence in the flesh. But I'm willing to look at everything that I counted as a benefit in my life, and I'm willing to count it as rubbish in view of knowing Jesus. Now, You want to guess what word he uses for knowing Jesus? I was rather surprised. I figured he would use gnosko, intimacy stuff. But he doesn't. He uses the word nostos, facts, data, information. Listen to what Paul's saying. He's saying, I had the right education. I had the right upbringing. I got the trophies and the letterman's jacket. And I have all these things that I could brag about. But if I was to take all of that and I would compare it to just information about Jesus. If all I had was was a single newspaper headline that said, Jesus is Lord, that would actually be sufficient for me to look at everything in my life and count it as rubbish, that I'm going to toss everything in my life if all I had is a single newspaper headline that said, Jesus is Lord. Do you know how good God is? I mean, do you know how phenomenal our Jesus is? Our God is so good and so phenomenal that it would actually be worth dumping your entire life and calling everything rubbish if all you had was information about him. That even if you never had a relationship with Jesus, even even if you never got to experience the reality of, of Christ in your life, that even just knowing about Jesus would be worth dumping all this. And yet, when you come into verse 10... Paul gives you his passion. And in verse 10, Paul says, my prayer, my passion, my focus is that I might know him. And that word there for know, he uses the word gnosko. So see the whole flow of what Paul's doing here. He says, I have the right education. I have the right upbringing. I have the best, 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 best. And I'm willing to take all of that and I'm willing to count it as a loss In fact, I'm willing to call it rubbish if all I had was a single piece of newspaper headline that said, Jesus is Lord. But Paul says, but I will not be satisfied with a piece of newspaper. Hey, I'm not gonna be satisfied with just information about Jesus. Paul says, do you know what my desire is? Do do you know what what the thrust of my heart is? Do, Do you know what I just yearn for? I desire intimacy with the living God. I don't want to just know about Jesus. I actually want to know Jesus. And there's a big difference between the two. Uh, I went to seminary, and it was interesting. Right before I went to seminary, my my aunt pulled me aside, and she said, Nathan, can I just give you a word of warning? Uh, Don't lose Jesus at seminary. And I I looked at her, and I shouldn't have done it, but I laughed. And I'm like you do know what seminary is, right? I says, I'm going to a school to learn about Jesus. I'm going to a school where our homework is the Bible. I'm going to a school where we sit around lunch tables and we talk about Jesus. I'm going to a school where at night we, sing, we sit around campfires and sing Kumbaya. I mean, this well, I mean, it's about Jesus. And she goes, just be careful, don't lose Jesus. I said, yeah, yeah, whatever. And I ran off to school and I was deeply shocked. Because at school, I, I found a whole bunch of people who knew a lot about Jesus who did not actually know Jesus. And it's like they had all this information. They had all these details. They, Hey, they grew up in Sunday school. They did Bible quizzing. They could give you all the information. They could debate you up and down. But then you looked at their life, and their, their lives were miserable. Their lives were fruitless. Their lives were just... And they had a lot of details and a lot of information about Jesus, but they did not actually have Jesus. I have a 10-year-old niece, and she's cute, 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 cute. And she's adopted, so I feel like I'm less biased uh, because she doesn't have my DNA. Uh, So this little niece that I have, I I love my 10-year-old niece. And I could pull up my phone, I could flip through the pictures and be like, hey, let me tell you all about Paisley, and here's how tall she is, this is what she likes to do, and da-da-da-da-da. Do you realize that is dramatically different than me going back to where my, my brother and his family lives and actually getting on the ground and playing with Paisley? That there's a difference between knowing about and having all the details and actually getting wrapped up in a relationship with the person. Think about your life. Is is your Christianity all about information and all about details and all about when to stand up and when to sit down and all the right things to do? Or have you actually embraced the reality of Jesus in your life? Well, I go to church every Sunday. Good for you. I pay the preacher fifty dollars. I wish you would. Hey, I, I know, I know, I know the Bible backwards and forwards. Good for you. But do you realize that you can know all the right things to do and do them perfectly, die, and still go to hell? Because this isn't about doing the right things. This is about relationship. This is eternal life, says Jesus, that you might know me. And and yeah, there's activities that flow out of that. and, And yeah, you should do those. But it's not about the activities. It's about the relationship. Isn't it sad that our modern culture today has dumbed down salvation? Uh, Salvation in in, in the modern day has been truncated to like a true and false test. Have you you seen this? It's like we go up to somebody and say, hey, you want to become a Christian? Wonderful. Uh, Do you believe that Jesus died upon the, or or came, came to earth? True. Do you believe he died upon the cross? True. Do you believe he rose again? True. Woo! Congratulations! You're a Christian. You realize that doesn't work. Because I could go up to Satan and go, Satan, I have a question for you. Did Jesus come to earth? True. Did Jesus die upon the cross? Ugh, true. Did he rise again? True. Woo! Congratulations, you're a Christian. No. No. That doesn't work, folks. Isn't it interesting? The demons know. Hey, Satan knows scripture. So this is not about do you know Scripture and don't know Scripture. This is not, well, hey, can you pass a true-false test? What is this all about? Relationship, intimacy, life kind of stuff. Uh, You don't have to turn there, but there's an incredibly scary passage in Matthew chapter 7. Jesus is finishing the Sermon on the Mount, and at the very end of the Sermon on the Mount, right before the build your house upon the rock, build your house upon the sand, illustration. He gives this declaration in Matthew 7, verse 21, and and it is such a scary passage to me. Listen to this. Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but it is he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and done many wonderful works in your name? But I will declare to them, I never to you. Depart from me, you who practice evil, you who practice lawlessness. Do you hear know what Jesus is saying? He says, there's going, to get, there's going to be some people who come up before me at the judgment, and they're going to say, hey, Jesus, let us in. Hey, Jesus. Hey, I mean, look at this. Hey, Hey, we prophesied in your name. Hey, we cast out demons in your name. Hey, we did all these mighty miracles in your name. Now, let me ask you, if you saw someone walking around prophesying, casting out demons, doing miracles, wouldn't you go, whoa, super Christian? I mean, wouldn't we? And yet Jesus says, that means nothing to me. You can have all these religious activities in your life, but unless you have the intimacy, you're not getting in. Do you know the difference between heaven and hell? Relationship. Do you have that? Why, well, know all the answers. Good for you. But do you have this? Why, well, I attend church? I love Corey Tim Boom's story about the little mouse. Have you ever heard this? There's this little mouse on, on the kitchen counter, and the mouse sees this big cookie jar. And the mouse goes, Oh, cookie jar. And so the mouse grabs a wooden spoon and spins it around and climbs up the wooden spoon and it's standing on the edge of the cookie jar. And with absolute glee and excitement, the mouse just cannonballs into the cookie jar. Cookie dust explodes everywhere. And with a shout, the mouse goes, "Woo! I'm a cookie. No, you just ruined a jar of cookies. <laughs> A mouse falling into a cookie jar does not make it a cookie. You walking into a garage does not make you a car. Neither does you coming to a church make you a Christian. You know what makes you a Christian? Intimacy. Do you have that? I love the stories told of Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon, who's called the Prince of Preachers. And Charles Spurgeon was this incredible, incredible oratory. who preached these incredible sermons, and stories are told of Spurgeon that as he was walking down the road, he'd be asked to preach somewhere, he'd be walking down the road in the new city, and as he's walking down the road, people would see Spurgeon and begin to fall on the ground in repentance. What did Spurgeon say? Nothing, he was walking down the road. Uh, stories are told of Spurgeon who would who would visit factories. And you know factory workers, they're all these Whoa, kind of guys, you know, like Phil, just, Whoa, you know, you know, just these big honking guys. But un- unlike Phil, you know, factory workers, they don't smile. They don't they just, just... And uh, Spurgeon would be taking these tours of the factories. And as they're walking to the factories, these grown just kind of men would just begin to weep. Well, what does Spurgeon say? Nothing. He's just taking a tour. See, there is something going on in Spurgeon's life that just would ooze out of his life and just grab the world around him. you have that in your... Isn't it interesting we love wearing Christian T-shirts? I love Christian T-shirts. Some, they're getting better. But I remember when I was a teenager, we had the worst Christian T-shirts ever. And it's because they took pop culture and turned it into like a Christian slogan. You know, like they had the John Deere picture on the front, green shirt, John Deere picture. But instead of saying John Deere, it'd say John 316. Have you seen these dumb things? You know, and so so it's like, uh... It had like a lifeguard T-shirt. It had a little lifeguard, and then below it says like "Mine walks on water." I mean, it's just cheesy stuff, you know, lifesavers, you know, for eternity. You know, I mean, just so we're taking pop culture, and we're taking we're taking the culture, and we're just trying to make it Christian, and it's it's always cheesy. And uh, I found I found one time a Christian T-shirt. It was it was so phenomenal. I bought it because it was probably the best Christian t-shirt I'd ever seen in my life, and this is what it said: "It said Christian t-shirt." Isn't that a great Christian t-shirt? I was like, let's just be honest: it's a Christian t-shirt. Do you know why most of us wear Christian t-shirts? Well, so that people know I'm a Christian. Yeah, so that when I'm walking out in the world, someone could look at my shirt, they could see the big family Bible that I carry, they could see the cross around my neck, and go, "Oh, you must be a Christian." What if you didn't have to wear the shirt for them to know? See, what if there was just something going on inside of your life that was just so evident to the world around you that they would just go, wow, you must be a Christian. How do you know? Because there's no other way to explain your life. One of my favorite guys from Christian history, his name was Ian Thomas. And Ian Thomas, one of my favorite quotes from him is, he said, If your Christianity can still be explained in terms of you, so if if the way the world can explain how you're living your life, if if the way the world can explain your Christianity is because of your willpower, your talent, your, your ability, your wisdom, your resource, your anything, then Ian Thomas says then although you may have the Christian life, you're not actually living it yet. Because he says the only explanation for your life is supposed to be Jesus. Is that true about you? That when the world encounters your life and they see how you're living and they see how you respond to COVID and they see how you treat that neighbor that nobody likes, mercy. And they just see how you handle economic problems and they see what happens when you get laid off at your job and they just begin to see how you're living. Can they explain how you're living because of you? Or is the only explanation for your life Jesus? Do you realize we are called Christians? Which means that the only explanation for our life should be Jesus how are you loving like that? There's no human way that's possible. You're you're telling me you got joy in the middle of the craziness? How is that even feasibly possible? How do you have peace when the whole world is going to chaos? See, wouldn't it be amazing if you had something so tight with Jesus that the only explanation for your life was him? By the way, do you know what we call this? Christianity. Christianity. And Christianity is not having information about Jesus. Christianity is having Jesus. It's not having information. It's not about coming to church. It's not about paying your tithes. Though please pay your tithes. It's it's, it's not about that kind of stuff. What, what What is Christianity all about? Relationship. Paul says, Jesus is so good that I'm willing to dump my entire list and call it rubbish in view of just a piece of newspaper. But Paul says, I will not be satisfied with a piece of newspaper. I'm not going to be satisfied with two plus two equals Jesus. I'm not just going to be satisfied by sitting in a church on Sunday and hearing information. Paul says, do you know what just, oh, do you know what excites me? Do you know what just, oh, do you know what I long for in my life? Intimacy. Is that true in you? Do you hunger and thirst after righteousness? Are you just going after Jesus? Is Is he just the the beat of your heart? Is he just the overwhelming consumption of your very life? Or you just put on a show. You realize unless you have this, you're not going to make it. Because Jesus says this is eternal life. And you can have all the information and you can do all the religious activities, die and still not make it to heaven. How are you going to make it to heaven? Intimacy. Do you have this? And would you be willing for God to do such a deep work in your life that you're willing to look at your list and your life and just say, Lord, in light of you, I'm willing to look at all of this and count it as rubbish. But Lord, I just don't want information about you. I want you. And I, I Hey, you're showing up to church on Sunday, which means, hey, you're doing well. And you've got great information. But do you have this? Have you got lost in intimacy with Jesus? Have you just been like, oh, I wake up in the morning, and I just want to spend time with my God? It's interesting. I've worked with a lot of teenagers and young adults. And uh, have you ever met someone who's engaged? It's almost pointless to talk to them. That, that's just my conclusion. It's like they live in a la-la land. It's a, it's a blur. It's like, how are you? Beautiful. Uh, what time is it? Three more hours, I get to see her. How's the weather? Incredible. I mean, just focus. See, isn't it fascinating that you never have to look at someone who's engaged and say, hey, discipline yourself, grit your teeth, would you think about her? You never have to say that to someone engaged. What you usually have to say is, focus. Isn't that true? Why? Because they have this. Wouldn't it be neat to have that with Jesus? Wouldn't it be need to get so wrapped up in the life of Jesus that this wasn't a grit your teeth and try to discipline yourself and come on, think about Jesus, think about Jesus. Wouldn't it be amazing if you just got lost in the reality of Jesus that you just couldn't help yourself? See, what if you could become a cute old couple with Jesus? And the more time you spent with Jesus, it's just like you didn't have to try. You just you just started to act like him and talk like him and think like him. In fact, you started to look like him. Now, you're not Jesus. We understand that. But wouldn't it be amazing if the world saw Jesus because they saw him in you? We call that Christianity, folks. Do you have that? And if you have it, don't you want that at a whole nother level? Don't you just want to take this to a whole nother level with Jesus and say, Lord, oh, just capture me and captivate me afresh. Bring me to a whole nother level in you. Because you realize the, the reality of Gnosko is this thing doesn't wane. This thing gets better and better and better and better and better. And folks, if you don't know Jesus better today than you knew him a year ago, there's a spiritual problem. See, I should know Jesus more intimately today than I knew him last week. And hey, next year, if you think I love Jesus now, give me another couple more years because this thing's increasing. You have that. Pray with me. <clears throat> Lord, oh, we need you. Lord, we don't need more information about you We don't just need facts and details. We need you. This is eternal life, you said. To get wrapped up in the intimacy and the wonder of who you are. It's not just to have the details. Details are not bad. It's not just to have the information, even though the information is not bad. But Lord, what would it look like if we got wrapped up in the person of who you are? Lord, could you push all of us this morning to a whole another level of intimacy with you. Lord, if our whole Christianity has just been about facts and details and information and checking it off a list and going to church and standing up and sitting down and and saying the right things, Lord, could you bring a deep conviction on our soul that what you are longing for is actually relationship, intimacy, experiencing the living God. Lord, don't let any of us get out of this room Without knowing that we actually have relationship with you. And Lord, for for those of us who have relationship, could you take this to a whole nother level? Lord, don't let us be content in the religious activities of our yesterday. Lord, don't let us be content with even the intimacy we had with you a week ago. Lord, we need something fresh for today. And just like the Israelites had to go out and gather manna day by day by day, Lord, what would it look like to increase in intimacy with you day by day by day? And that somehow I know you better today than I knew you last week, and next week I know you better than even today, and next year is going to be the greatest year of intimacy with Jesus than ever. And then, whoo, could you imagine what 10 years from now could look like if this thing just keeps increasing? Lord, we need that. This world desperately needs your people who don't just know about you and can spout out facts and details, but, Lord, people who are so consumed with you, who are so wrapped up in relationship and intimacy, who just shine forth and ooze the reality of Jesus in our lives. Lord, we live in a dark, cold, aggressive world who who does not want to hear about you, but I think that's because they don't see you in us. So Lord, could you could you get so tight with us in intimacy? Could could we be like a cute old couple with you? Could we get get us so wrapped up in relationship that even without even trying, we just start to talk like you and act like you, and have your mind and your gentleness, your love, your compassion, your mercy, your holiness, your righteousness, your truth is bubbling forth out of our lives. And would you just capture the world around us and may this world once again know that there's still a God who sits upon the throne because they see you in us. And Lord, we understand we don't become you. We're not Jesus. You are Jesus. But Lord, could you and I get so tight through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that the world sees you? Lord, we need that. I need that. So, Lord, I just pray that you don't allow a single one of us to leave this room. Don't let any of us get any sleep tonight until somehow we press into a greater reality of intimacy with you. Lord, it's not that knowing about you is bad, but, Lord, we don't want to just be content with having details about you. I don't even want a perception about you. I want to know you, the one true God, for this is eternal life lord we love you thank you that you've made an opportunity for us to know you in actual relationship and experience lord we give you all the praise and all the glory for you are worthy love you jesus precious powerful name we pray amen amen go after him would you man i want that for you i love jesus
2: I had to think while Nathan was talking this morning about how much we were studying, oh I forget, a couple weeks ago, Brad and I got lost in the life of Solomon while Bill was preaching. He said something about Solomon and then Brad and I had our own Bible study going on for the rest of the Sunday. But the difference between knowledge and wisdom, and I had to think of that in comparison with what you were saying this morning, my desire is to seek Wisdom. Not the wisdom of this world, not knowledge, but the wisdom of God. And if that is what I have, it's everlasting. It's eternal. But so often we quickly seek the wisdom of this world or the knowledge of this world, but it cannot save us. It cannot change us.
0: Sing Knowing You.
1: All I want. Is...
2: The greatest knowledge we can have is that of knowing Jesus and that we would grow in that. Um, Let's just close with prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much, Lord, for your word, for the scripture that we have, Lord, to learn more about you, your desire for us. And Lord, I pray that you would give us such a desire for you. Nothing would hold us back, that it would become real to us to understand that nothing of this world has any eternal value but knowing you alone is the greatest thing that we can do. And Lord, I just pray that it would be real with us. Lord, I just pray you'd just be with us each this afternoon. And Lord, our fellowship together, Lord, I just pray that you would uh, help us to encourage and uplift each other. And Lord, that you would bless this new meal that we're about to eat. And each one as we go our separate ways too, Lord, throughout this week, that you would be real and alive in our lives. I pray this in your name. Amen. Lord, dismiss.